Hey team, this is Grantia Collins and welcome to Giving is a Skill, a grassroots giving podcast where ordinary people like you and me learn how to create meaning, impact, and connection with our time, talents, and money, regardless of the amount. On this episode, I get to share my experience of Miracle Tim with Caroline Hilton. So let's get started. Okay, well, we are back, and by we, I mean me and Caroline Hilton, back for part two of the podcast. Hi, friends. Happy to be here. Really good to have you down in the basement again, Caroline. Uh, We are here together because a few weeks ago, we had an experience that both of us are likely not to forget anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And it was such an impactful experience for both of us, um, and I'll just speak for myself in this, that it had me just rethinking a lot of the way that I approach giving and receiving. And so much so that I approached you probably a week ago and said, hey, Caroline, you up for round two of being on the podcast? And you said... I said yes. <laughs> I was surprised by myself. <laughs> and I said no, but he said no. no you were uh, you were very excited. Or I don't know if very excited is the right word. Excited. Excited. Excited to be here. Yeah. So what we're going to be doing today is we are going to tell the story of what happened and really talk through some of the things that both of us learned as we experienced this on a very cold December 31st, 2023. So just to give everybody a little bit of a background on how we got to this story in the first place, uh, Caroline and I were going up to Stanley, Idaho to be with some friends over New Year's Eve. Yeah, it was a yoga meditation retreat. It was just two nights. Um, And it was just to kind of start out the year with intention thinking through what kind of goals we wanted to set for the new year. So it was, it was quite a trek getting there, but it was it was an enjoyable trip. Yeah. So when we left in 2023, it's now 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I feel like 2023 has been an interesting year for me. And so it makes sense that it kind of goes out a little bit with a bang. Uh, but uh, to talk a little bit about how picturesque this scene was, we were winding our way through this like absolutely beautiful canyon. Stunning. Yeah. Light. So there was like this light dusting of snow mm-hmm. on everything. And there was a river in the middle of it. And it was just like one of those picturesque car rides. And we were just having a good time. And uh, I'm from Utah, so I deal with a lot of snow. And so we weren't really too worried about that side of the equation. But we we rounded this, this curve. And I saw in the middle of the road like what looked like a piece of ice. It was like a dark brown piece of ice. And because I'm from Utah, you know, I see those things and I'm like, we're just going to blast through this piece of ice. And so, you know, we're going, what, 45, 50 miles an Mm -hmm. hour. And we hit the quote unquote ice. And it turns out that it's a rock. Massive rock. Massive rock. And it uh, shook the entire car. Uh, I think caught us both like way... Mm -hmm. way off and immediately lights started turning on (laughs) on the dashboard uh, (laughs) specifically a low tire uh, light and so pulled off to the side of the road and 
jumped out of the car and lo and behold, our front right tire was just almost out of air. Mm -hmm. So Caroline, at this point, like, tell me what you're thinking after this whole thing has just happened. Where are you at? At this point, I was pretty, I was feeling pretty optimistic. The sun was setting, but there was still enough light. I knew we had a spare tire. Yeah. So I thought, okay, this is, this is fine. Kind of fun. Little pit stop. We got out, we put our, our snow gear on and I've never changed a tire. Grant has, but mm. it had been a while. So yeah. I pulled out the, uh, the user manual. The owner's manual. Thank goodness for paper owner's manual. Grateful for that. <laughs> and so I was feeling great. I'm like, we're just going to whip this out. And we'll be back on the road in no time. I wasn't worried about it. And thank goodness that nothing else had been like hurt or damaged. Like mm-hmm. a rock that big could do a lot more damage than just a spare tire. Mm-hmm. And so it was yeah. a little unnerving. But at the same time, I kind of felt the same way. Like, it's fine. Um, but the one thing that I started to notice is that we had no service. And that's when it was like, oh, thank goodness we have a spare tire. So we put the tire on the car and um, out of nowhere, there was a couple houses nearby just on this one part of the the road. And this man comes out and says like, hey, do you guys need help? And we had just finished the tire and we were like, no, thank you so much. And then another car pulled up and asked if we needed help. And so we were just like surrounded by people. It was like awesome. So we hop back in the car and start driving And I don't know, probably two miles down the road, uh, Caroline reads in the owner's manual that we weren't supposed to have the spare tire on the front tires, which we had at that point. We were supposed to switch them out and put the spare on the back of the car. We didn't realize that. So we're just like, should we do it? Should we not? And we just decide, you know what, let's just be safe. Go off the road. We turn off the road. And all of a sudden, I notice as we jump out of the car that our spare tire is also flat. So at this point, I'm no longer feeling relaxed and confident. <laughs> I was terrified. The sun was yeah. almost down. It was 15 degrees, yeah. something like that. It was freezing. Yes. So we were a little more nervous at this point. Yeah. And mostly because, number one, we don't have service. Number two, it's December 31st, so New Year's Eve. So not a lot of people are likely getting down the road. And yeah, like you were saying, it was getting kind of cold. So luckily, we knew that there was people that we could have help us at least up the road. And so as we're, you know, trying to figure out uh, what to do, we decide, I guess we'll just walk to the neighbor's house that was, you know, two miles back or so. So at this point, it kind of is starting to feel a little bit like the premise of a horror film, though. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's in true. In fact, Caroline tells this like terrifying story while we're in the car, kind of <laughs> trying to figure out what we're going to do of this woman who does not go into town with her husband when they are stranded. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not going to have you tell the story because it's scary. It's really scary, <laughs> but this is what's going through my mind. <laughs> <laughs> this, is where, this is where Caroline was at. I was a little yeah. flustered at this point as well. I, like I, I felt like we could get out of what we were in, but it was definitely turning a little bit that direction. So Caroline was in the car. I jumped out to start looking around and, and seeing kind of what our surroundings were. And uh, it's it's getting dark. And so I see a car coming. And so I decide, you know what, let's just flag down this car. And it is an old 19, probably 75 Ford truck that is loaded to the brim with firewood. 
And this man who's driving the car, he pulls off to the side and lowers his window. And I explained to him what had happened. And he immediately looks at me and says, man, somebody must be praying for you. And I was like, you know, I'm religious. And I, I was like, I, I mean, I knew that my mother was likely praying for me because that's just how my mom is. She's a very just religious, faithful woman that is always like looking out for me. And yeah, I turned to him and I said, you know what? You're right. Like, I, I think my mom is probably praying for me. And he's like, yeah, there's not a lot of people that drive these roads at night. And I've got to drop this firewood off. But if you guys want to wait around, I would be happy to help you. So I jump back in the car and kind of tell Caroline what's going on. The, the man drives away. And I'm still feeling a little nervous, though. A little nervous. We don't know this man. Um, and he said he'd come pick us up. But we had no way of knowing he was actually going to come back or not. Yeah. It's rapidly getting colder. Yeah. So I was a little nervous. And I think the thing that I started to realize is that there is no way out of this situation than if we trust people. Yeah. Like we likely can't just like walk into town. We're probably 15 miles away from mm -hmm. Stanley and we don't know anybody and we have no service. And so I, even though I'm nervous about the situation, I just realized that the only way out of the situation is to trust people. We were totally at the mercy of this random man that we had met on the side of the road. <laughs> totally. So he comes yeah. back uh, and, and picks us up probably 20 minutes later mm -hmm. And we start uh, driving down the road, but we are driving in the opposite direction of where we thought we needed to go. And what we later learned about this man, his name is Tim, uh, is that Tim is a planner. Like he, at the moment he jumped into the scene, he had a plan. Mm -hmm. And we were going to do his plan. And uh, that is how things were going to go. So we're driving back, uh, and uh, Tim uh, is somebody that has very different beliefs than we do, and it becomes fairly apparent and uh, on just a, a variety of subjects. And so it, it's just such an interesting situation that we find ourselves in because we're being helped by somebody who believes differently than we do. And I wasn't necessarily unnerved by that, mm -hmm. but I just kind of started thinking it was really one of those moments where it's like, why is he helping us? Yeah, that's that's the thing is that I, I didn't understand the plan entirely until we got in the car and he started driving the other way. Yeah. I was expecting him to go towards town. So I elbow Grant. I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> you know, I was picturing the worst case scenario and I my initial instinct wasn't to trust him. But the more we talked to him, I realized... He's helping us. He's going out of his way to help us. And um, and so I was I was definitely unnerved at the beginning. I was quite, quite hesitant. But the more time we spent with him, I started to feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah, mm -hmm. because the, the first thing he does is he tries to get service so that we can call our friends. Yeah. And apparently uh, all the iPhones in the world can't get service in this canyon, but his little flip phone from 2005. Yeah, a little black flip phone. Can can get a service. So we yeah. call our friends. We let them know that we're okay. And then we just go on a drive. So Tim's plan was to go to the nearest gas station, um, which we later found out was like 40 minutes away or so. Yeah. It's quite a drive. The plan was to fill up our spare tire, take us to the local sheriff's station, 
and then see if one of the sheriffs would be willing to drive us back to our car where we could then drive back to our friends. Um, So that was the initial game plan. Things changed quite a bit as the night went along, but that's what I understood. Yeah. So we drive to the deputy's uh, place. It's like tiny town, probably Mm -hmm. what? 500 to 1,000 mm-hmm. population. It's teeny. The police station, quote unquote, is a one room, like, I, I don't know, one of those things that you have in your school that, what, what are those called? Like an admissions office, yeah. kind of. Like a, I mean. Just like a tiny admissions office in this like tiny building structure. Yeah. And uh, we walk in and the people are like, like, you're going to have to stay here because there's we don't have anybody on Nobody's duty. Nobody's on duty. <laughs> New Year's night. No one was on duty. We were shocked. <laughs> so so I guess there was one one person on duty, but they needed them in town so oh, they yeah. couldn't leave. Yeah. So there was nobody to spare in this town, which makes sense. It's a small town. Yeah, it makes sense. And immediately Tim looks at us. He's like, okay, you guys can just come onto my house. Yeah. And it was just like he wasn't even like he didn't even hesitate. Yeah. It like wasn't even a part of like it wasn't even a thought process. And by this time, we're feeling fairly comfortable with Tim because the people at the police station know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had gotten to know him a little bit better. And so we're feeling more comfortable. Yeah. But it still is just this kind of immediate desire to give and to help in the situation was it was it was kind of overwhelming. It was to me. One thing that was so notable to me was how open he was with us from the beginning. He started talking to us about really um, difficult things he had been through in his life with his family. Mm -hmm. And there was no hesitation there. Like he was so open with us from the beginning. And like you said, from from the beginning, probably a couple minutes after he picked us up, he was like, well, if if we get stuck, you can just sleep at our house or you can come hang out, you know, between, um, you know, before we bring you back. He just was so, so welcoming which was shocking. He didn't know us. Yeah. So kind. No idea. So he jumps on the phone, calls his wife, and her name is Erica. And he says, hey, like I picked up some strangers <laughs> on this side yeah. of the road and we're coming back and uh, to, to our house. And it was just a quick conversation. And then we're back in the truck, rolling down some random road in Idaho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, we get up to uh, Tim's house. And it's just this this home that's in the middle of nowhere, Idaho. Uh, there's uh, it's it's kind of a, a a farm. We learned that Tim is a lumber um, man, and his wife um, was involved with school districts and and different things. And so we pull into this house, dogs barking everywhere, kind of classic Idaho, and uh, walk into Tim and Erica's home, and immediately are just engulfed by another big personality which is Tim's wife, Erica. Yeah. She's just the sweetest lady. She was so just quaint and classy. Yeah. And also just had this big personality where she just made us feel at home, like immediately. She walked in, or we walked in, and she's like, oh, come on in. I, I have fi- I have dinner on the table. You know, I have food ready for you guys. The fire was going and just felt like home. Yeah, really yeah. They had a they had wood burning stove, wood burning which burning was just stove. so warm and cozy. And she didn't even like give us a second look. That was the craziest thing about this mm-hmm. whole experience. It's like Tim, he's on his way home. He doesn't give a second look. He allows us in his car. Then we walk into his house, and his wife is like, "Oh, hey, dinner's on the table. Here you go." It's like 
so natural. And Caroline and I are looking at each other this whole time, just kind of like flabbergasted. Mm -hmm. Just like, what is happening? It's New Year's Eve. We don't know these people from Adam. And here we are, you know, an hour and a half later, eating dinner in their home, talking to them about their family and their dogs and where we are and where we're going. And I I was just continuing like looking at you and being like, what is, is this actually real? Yeah. It was, it was really, it was really special. After dinner, um, Erica brought out homemade shortbread that she had made that week. Yeah. This, you know, tin that was just so cute yeah. and had little fudge treats that she had made. And she just was sharing all of that abundance with us. And um, it was just very genuine in all of our interactions with them. So we get done with dinner and Tim has decided that he's going to drive us back to our car. And Erica looks at him and says, you're too tired to drive, but I, I'm, I'm going to drive us back. And so we all jump into a, a different car with their little dog and drive all the way back to our car. So at this point, we have been with Tim for almost three hours, plus this drive back to our car, which is another hour. And something I think that's notable here is that Tim had been awake since four or five in the morning, yep. out in the woods, chopping trees down. Yep. And he was going to do the same thing the next morning. So he had no extra energy to spare, but it wasn't even a question for him. He's like, oh, of course I'm going to help you. No problem. Yeah. So we, another hour back down these kind of sketchy roads. It's almost 1230 at night and they are from there. So they feel very comfortable in, in the driving and the situation, but like just on the way back again, it was just like how, like I, I kept on asking them this question of like, where did you learn to give? Where did you learn to do all this stuff? Like we just are so grateful for this, but like, where's this coming from? And I think that either Tim or Erica just got kind of fed up with my question mm -hmm. and we're just like, what, what do you expect us to do? Like leave you on the side of the road. And I'm like, yes, yes, I do expect you just to leave us on the side mm -hmm. of the road. Cause that's what like a lot of people do. I don't know if I would pick somebody up that's on the side of the road. Um, it would probably depend on the situation, but like it, it was just this miracle. That's why I call him miracle Tim because he just came out of nowhere scooped us up and just showed me what it's like to just genuinely live a life that is focused on giving and helping people in just your everyday interactions. Yeah. We get back to our car, we put the spare on and we get um, to Stanley, you know, a couple minutes later, or, you know, half an hour later. And that's when I think it all just kind of set in. I was just pretty overwhelmed by just the kindness and the love that they showed. Uh, and, you know, we were able to have a good rest of our weekend and we were able to get the tire changed and drove home safe. Um, but Caroline, as you, as you look back on this story, like what, what comes to your mind? Like, what do you, what do you think about when you think about Erica and Tim? I just, we only spent three hours with them, but like having that experience with them, just being so kind to us, made me love them. Like yeah. we don't know them that well, but I remember when they dropped us off at, at our car, I felt like they were my grandparents almost. Yeah. And 
Tim just gave me the biggest hug. And I just told him, I'm like, this was so renewing for me. I feel so um, hopeful that there's goodness in the world. And he just said, you know what? We don't know what is in the future for any of us in our lives. So we need to be prepared to to do this kind of thing for our neighbor, you know, as as things happen in the world, like we all need to become people that are going to do things like this. And um, and so just their simplicity and love and openness to strangers was so, so impactful for me. And and I I thought it was neat. You know, we were going to this retreat where we were hoping to feel renewed for the new year and um, have this kind of enlightening experience and meditation and all of those things were helpful, but being a part of an experience where somebody served us so well and we got to see giving in that environment was like the most renewing experience for me. Yeah. Of everything that we had paid to be a part of, the one thing that I'm like always going to remember is the part that we didn't pay for. And there's nothing against, you know, what we paid for. It was great. It was a wonderful time, but it was, it was so impactful. I, I, I think about from my perspective, like we texted Tim to let him know that we were okay. And, uh, the next morning overcomes the shortbread recipe Mm -hmm. from his wife. And just that they, they just got outside of themselves in a way that just blew me away. And for me, what was so interesting was that, uh, I talked about a little bit earlier that we just had some different ways of viewing the world. And there was not that one was right or one was wrong, but it was just different. And I think that that is what caught me the most off guard is that we live in a society that is so divided over so many things. And to um, to just be able to set those things aside and just view people as people and, um, and realize that there's so much more in common than we had that was maybe differing views on, on different subjects. And then to just realize that like, as the human experience goes, like what really matters is the kindness and the way that we are approaching um, each other. And so for me, starting out 2024, the day of the beginning of 2024 started out that way. It just was probably the most beautiful way that I could ever imagine to start off what we are really excited about in terms of a year of focusing on helping ordinary people do exactly what Tim and Erica just kind of did so naturally. Well, team, that's it for us. Let's go out in the world and create good with our time, talents, and money, regardless of the amount. And look for opportunities like Erica and Tim did in our day-to-day lives. Talk soon.